0: Welcome to the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast that's raising the bar on craft cocktails. I am your host, Louise. Solace, and with me is my very, very talented friend who I think could rock a nun's habit any day, the mixtress, D.C. Gina. (laughs) Hi,
1: Louise. This is weird. We're together again. I know. Yay. I feel like we should be on a bicycle, like, going through a brewery tasting beers or something, like Laverne and Shirley. (laughs) (laughs) Better than Thelma and Louise, because that would mean we'd have to, like, Go off a cliff or something. I mean, well, you know, you never know where you're going to jump these days, well, right? this show often goes over I, the cliff. <laughs> yeah. I got a couple of bottles behind us, and we're in person together.
2: So I know. At last call.
1: woohoo! Yes. All right,
0: Gina. I'm ready. Do you have any idea who Sister Doris Englehart is? No. Don't worry, because I really think you're going to love her. And here's why. <laughs> For more than 45 years, Sister Doris has dedicated to her, li- her life to God and beer. Mm. She apparently is the last brewmaster nun in Europe. I didn't even know that was a thing. That's amazing. Yep. So she lives and brews at um, Mahlersdorf Abbey in Germany and it's been a site for brewing beer for since the 12th century. And every day Sister Doris begins um, mandatory prayer at 5 30 a.m. sharp except on Sundays. Because on Sunday, she's excused because she starts brewing and crafting beer at 3 a.m. sharp, which equates to nearly 80,000 gallons annually. Kind of cool. I found a quote. She said, I love the work. I love the smell when I'm making beer. And I love working with living things, with yeast, barley, and with people who enjoy beer. And for those who enjoy beer, and maybe those who don't, she actually has a recommended daily beer intake. And for men, it's one and a half liters. And for women, it's three-fourths of a liter per day.
1: All right. it seems like a lot. Not really. Okay. It's like a pint and a half.
0: Is that all that is? That's all that is. Okay. Well, apparently she enjoys a pint. I
1: tequila and a hard.
0: <laughs> I think we have. <laughs> so all this talk about dedicating to your your life and following your passion to brew things brings me to today's designated drinker. Please welcome to the show the owner and founder of British West Indies Trading Company, another master of delicious liquids, Georgia Dunn. Welcome to the show, Georgia. Pleasure to be with you and Gina this morning. So so glad you're here with us um, and our first show. At least Gina and I are together. So anyway, Georgia, can you please tell us, um, I know we want to jump in, we want to taste the deliciousness that you sent us, but can you please start off by telling our listeners how this all started for you?
2: Yes, well, it all began um, in an area of the world called the Turks and Caicos Islands, where my family was a salt-producing and seafaring community. That's awesome. And uh, I was there working and in my free time was very keen on capturing our way of life as a salt-producing community that um, we had been making salt for centuries. Um, And um, I was very interested in that, in particular at that point in time, because uh, we are now a tourism economy, and that whole way of life that had existed for all those generations um, still, you know, was was um, with us with the island's elders, but because we're no longer producing salt, we're now a tourism economy. Our whole way of life had changed, and we had gone from um, a community that produced very unique uh, food and beverages and had a very unique way of life. And today we're basically an extension of the U.S. culture in a lot of ways, particularly when it comes to food and beverages. So on any given day, we have containers coming in from Florida, loaded up with all the the mass-produced food that, you know, is available to us in our grocery stores here in the U.S. Um, So think Budweiser, think Corona, think, you know, craft macaroni and cheese out of a box yeah. and when it all comes in for the tourism economy it's also available to local stores that means that all of the locals as well, Well, we're all very busy and we're all looking for for convenience in our very busy lives. So we're not making things from scratch anymore. Just like in the States, folks do not have as much time to make grandma's apple pie or biscuits and roll out the dough and make all those wonderful things from scratch. So as a result, most of these wonderful recipes, both in food and beverage history are between the ears of little old ladies and men. And it's really our grandparents' generation that was the last generation that made all that from scratch. And um, they're still with us, but, you know, they are um, there, but not for long, sadly. So I decided it was very important that in my free time that I would like to understand our way of life at the most granular level. So at that point, I'm I'm more like a social anthropologist. I am asking. That's really um, cool the individuals, are we, when you, as soon as you get up in the morning, are, you know, what shoes are you wearing? You know, what shoes are you put your feet are going into, right? And what, what clothes are you wearing? Is your mother bringing in bolts of fabric? You know, are they ready made? And then what are you eating and drinking throughout the day? You know, what are you eating for breakfast, lunch, tea, and dinner? And then inevitably, what are you doing for your alcohol at the end of your work day? And uh, so they described their way of life, and I was writing everything down, basically being a scribe so that I could put it all in our um, archives, in our National Museum. And then I came to the conclusion that it was very important not just to write it down, but to also make it, because we're one hurricane away from losing anything that's, that's written down on paper. And as well, the real joy is not just to write it down and have it, you know, hidden away in files, but the joy is to make it and share it with others to enjoy. So that's when I decided I would get my hands on some brewing equipment and make not everything, Not I, I, you know, I'm doing this in my free time. I have a day job, right? And so I decided I was going to make the one Um, beverage that defined our culture, and that was alcoholic ginger beer, always fermented. Unlike the soft drink variation in the U.S., this was part of a a household staple um, that was in every household. So everybody had a clay pot. You filled it up with water. You cut up all the fresh produce that you could grow in the Caribbean. Think lemons, limes, hard Caribbean spices, fresh ginger, all got hand-prepped as well as cane sugar. You added it to that clay pot filled with water wild yeast would settle, and you would bury that pot in the backyard for about a week. And with that hot climate, you'd have your 5% alcohol, typical what's a beer, by the end of the week for your homebrew. And this, this alcoholic ginger beer was not just my family's way of life. It was all of our family's way of life throughout the Caribbean. And it defined our culture just like the French and their fine wines. Think Italians and spaghetti. This would be like, and so today, we don't make our alcoholic ginger beer anymore, right? We're drinking all the soda that's coming in from the state. And containers. So, for us to not be making our alcoholic ginger beer is like the French saying, "Well, I think we're not going to make wine anymore." I feel like Italians saying, "We're not making spaghetti anymore." Well, this sh- we just cannot have this. So that's when I decided I was going to uh, make it and started brewing, and uh, and then making it most importantly with with everything that we had back in the day. And equally important, not what we had back in the day. We had no artificial coloring, flavoring preservatives, no high fructose corn syrup. Everything's just fresh produce and it's all hand prepped. So that is what I'm making to share my community's way of life that dates back generations. And then what happened is I didn't go looking for the beverage industry. The beverage business came looking for me. And so, you know, retailers that appreciated all the quality of the ingredients and the care that I put into it um, approached me about offering it in their stores. So that's when Whole Foods came into, you know, into my life. And, but most importantly, I should say Harris Teeter is the, um, the, the retailer that really appreciated all the work and care that I was putting into it and putting the customer first with these high quality ingredients in it. And it's, it's Harris Teeter that rolled it out in every store across the Southeast. So that's a a summary of of (laughs) what I do and why I got into it and how I got into it. The basics of what, where, when, how, and why. So um, why don't we just dive in and
0: get some uh, tasting done. Uh, Georgia, what do you recommend we try first? Please start with Harriet's
1: Hard Lemonade. Wonderful. Can't wait. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I can suck those back. Yeah.
0: (laughs) That's not hard work. (laughs) No. That's delicious. That is really beautiful, Georgia. What else is
2: in there? So what you're tasting is just three ingredients. So I, I tell customers, get ready for clean, crisp, light, and tart. Not too sweet. I, I found there are two things too sweet in the beer aisle. I found that some beverages are better than others in terms of you know, artificial, you know, flavorings, and some have this crazy aftertaste, and so that you'll have none of that. You're drinking the whole lemon, a little bit of cane, and then I ferment to 5% alcohol. So just three ingredients, technically four if you count the the water. What kind of yeast are you using? Are you using, like, wild yeast, or is this a, like, specific yeast, cuvette yeast? You know, that's a very good question. When I was uh, brewing in the islands, I was using a champagne yeast. Yeah, um, cuvette, you can taste it. Yeah, and so that was very aggressive. I could make my 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 alcoholic ginger beer within you know three days, and so. Um, but you know um, what I so. Uh, but when I came to the states, I decided to shift yeast for, for, for a variety of reasons, and so what you're tasting. The most important is the yeast that I use. It's very clean, but people do say that my hard lemonade goes in the direction of like almost like a wine, almost tastes like a chart the Chardonnay of this world. Absolutely, really, it's you know it is a hard lemonade. You. Taste taste The whole lemon, and with that cane um, that's just lightly sleep- sweetened, it's very tart, and that's what gives it that very clean taste. And what island is your sugar cane from? Yeah, Turks and Caicos Islands. There, you, you're when you're in Florida, you continue south and east along the Bahamian chain of islands, and then you reach the Turks and Caicos Islands.
1: Uh, Turks and Caicos is legitimately like my, my next stop in my in my. Um, we're all, my tour of the islands. <laughs> Every time I go to a different island, I go for the, the liquor history and not the... Um, people go for the beaches, and I'm always like, what rum came from here? What what sugar came from here? What of pirate course. landed here? What gin happened here? What what, I need to know all of those things because, well, it's funny, because, like, the pirates, and you think it's like whatever, brought so many spices that wound up in the islands, and then mm. influenced, or trade influenced what the meal the, meals, the, the sure. um,
2: food the spice bags all that like came to this is lovely well thank you for that and when, when we're talking about Turks and Caicos and when you decide to visit there's a there's an island that used to be called Pirate Key because it was it was the the, the shelter for the pirates evading the law it is now known as Parrot Key because they thought parrots were a better name for the island than Pirate Key um, <laughs> but uh, just just it speaks to your references Gina
1: I'm totally into that. Uh, All right. I don't think it's better.
0: See, Gina wants to be a pirate. She's always wanted to be a pirate. I think you got to keep it pirate. Like, I don't want
1: to, like, rob you. I just want to, like, you know, wear an eye patch, live on the ocean, and drink rum, slash bourbon all day. You have a parrot on your shoulder? I might have a parrot. I might have a sheepdog on my boat. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. All right, let's talk
2: about ginger beer. Wait, what's next? I'll just finish up with the hard lemonade really quickly because, you know, it's great as is or over ice, but I'll I'll share with you that because lemons are such a a wonderful ingredient that are applicable to many applications, um, it's great as a mixer. Um, And uh, so my husband is from the South, and he's drinking sweet tea, so nothing's ever sweet enough for him. And when he took a sip, he said, oh, you know, I'm not sure what to make of this. All I taste is this lemon. It's, it's you know, very sour for me. And I said, well, that's the whole point. I wanted something very tart and light and thirst-quenching. And, you know, being from the South, everything's better with bourbon. So I put a splash of his bourbon with it and accidentally made mm. the best whiskey sour. The best whiskey sour, actually, Gina, as you know, is if you slice the lemons... You know, you prep that um, to you know squeeze the lemons, make a simple syrup of cane with hot water, and then add that to your bourbon, and you have absolutely the best whiskey sour ever. When you put that over ice, the second best is mine because I've done the <laughs> exact same thing at the at the facility. It's the whole lemon cane and, and water that's been fermented. So um, I just wanted to share that with you as the the uh, the versatility of the hard lemonade. I just added
1: a, um, a little a quick shot of rye. And a little bit more ice and a little oh, yeah. bit more of the um, hard lemonade. And honestly, you're right. It's a really great um, alcoholic enhancer. So I'd call it a secondary alcohol versus uh, saying that it's a mixer. Because if it's if it's alcoholic, you just <laughs> add it and you
2: add it. And, and I'm a fan of using yeah. champagne as a soda. So we're okay. <laughs> oh, that's fabulous. Love that. I'll say enhancer. I'll, I'll, if you don't mind, that's a wonderful word, that I'll, word I'll use in the future. Georgia,
1: I love it. All right, what's next? What's next? I'm excited.
2: Yeah. Um, Heart and soul of my business is Islander Ginger Beer. Get ready for 500 years of history in every bottle. So this originates off the southern coast of Virginia. Thomas Harriet, my 13th generation, great, great. Um, was kindly given corn by the Algonquin tribe. He brewed that and wrote about it as the first on record as the first brewer um, in this side of the Atlantic. And in addition to that, he collected plants and animals along the way. The bigger picture of that is he was an explorer that Queen Elizabeth I in 1585 asked him to lead a voyage, collect plants and animals along the way, chronicle the voyage, and then map out her newfound land of Virginia. And she basically said, I'm not going because i got to run the country, but when you get back, I want to feel like I went. So bring me back all the details that you can. And with that, all those samples that he brought back, he brought her back tons of ginger. They made the first mojito on that voyage. They started making alcoholic ginger beer. And when he arrived with all that ginger, she gave it to her chefs and said, do something with this. And they said, let's surround her with men. She was the virgin queen. She never married. Uh, otherwise, she'd have to give up the throne. She's a smart woman. She is not doing that. So they said, let's surround her with men. And they made the first gingerbread men we eat as Christmas cookings today. So with all that food and what? beverage history that came out of that voyage, Thomas Harriet sent his son to settle Bermuda the same time as Jamestown. The next generation went to Turks Islands where they produced salt for, for centuries. And what are they drinking as their alcohol? Well, you're about to taste it. And as a, a culinary expert, the two of you, both Louise and Gina, um, and, uh, and beverage experts, I loved it for you to smell it before you taste it because it's very aromatic. Customers tell me it tastes like this this 20th century phenomena called a, a Moscow Mule. Yeah. Who knew that our family's way of life for hundreds of years ends up tasting like this 20th century drink? But I think they lead, it leads them to think that because those old family recipes call for lemons, limes, hard Caribbean spices, and fresh ginger. And it's all that citrus up front that you taste, as well as the fact that it has alcohol, that it is a Moscow Mule in a bottle. You don't need to squeeze a lime. You don't need to add the alcohol. You drink it ice cold out of the bottle. Or put it over ice and you're done.
0: It is really lovely. I, really, yeah.
2: I really like the, the mouthfeel. It's it like it's not super
0: syrupy. It's really, really light and refreshing. It's beautiful.
2: Yeah, there's layers, there's layers of complexity to that, you know, that, and it stays with you. The magic of that beverage is there's not just fresh ginger, there's fresh ginger that I'm hand prepping. Imagine yourself with a piece of ginger root and a cheese grater in your kitchen. That is the length. I think that's Gina um, that, just about every other day, right? The heart and soul, and all the hard effort that goes into that high quality beverage, and then nice. you feel that fresh ginger on the, the you know warming side of your your palate, on the backside of your palate, and you know there's a range of ginger beers out there in terms of price and quality, and there's a lot of you know less expensive fillers that go into it. So if any of you know if any folks are drinking a ginger beer. And I hear this often from customers. Oh, I'm not sure what happens with ginger beer. I love ginger. I eat my pickled ginger at a sushi restaurant. I cook with ginger. I love ginger beer. And then when I buy a ginger beer, I don't like it. And and I don't understand it. And I explain to them that, well, that's because you don't like the inexpensive fillers like cayenne pepper that makes your lips burn right? So when you have that burning sensation, that is the filler that goes in the industry with some of them. But a proper ginger beer uses fresh ginger. And then I go the lengths of hand prepping it the way my family did back in the day. So um, so that's that's what makes it different than the rest on the market. That's pretty amazing. So I have a question. Caribbean spices, what are you putting in there? Well, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of like the Coca-Cola formula. Yeah. Well, if, is there if you, mind, I'll, I'll, if you don't mind, I'll refrain. I'll, I'll I'll answer that in a very general way, which is all of the ingredients that I use can be are grown in the Caribbean. Everything's authentic to the the sense of place.
0: Okay, Coca Cola formula. We got it. We got it. All right, we've got something else. What is
2: it? What do we have? Yes, Harriet's Mango Mimosa. Same concept as the hard lemonade. It's just the whole fruit pulp and all. So get ready for the, vis- the viscosity of this. When I first made this and went through all the test batches, I made it in various ways, including filtering out all the pulp. And when you filter out of the pulp, you filter out all that fresh fruit. So anyone who eats a fresh mango, you know you have to get your floss out afterwards, right? Floss your <laughs> teeth with all that that fiber, right? So I decided to keep all the fiber in, pulp and all, so get ready for the viscosity of, well, I have a customer who calls it nutrient-rich. So give it a go and see what you think. But it's like biting in that whole fruit, just three ingredients that you're going to taste.
0: I could see that when Gina started to pour it, it was much thicker in, in like volume than I anticipated. It smells beautiful the bright, on the nose. You
2: see, mm. you see the bright color, that bright color of all that fresh beautiful. fruit? Yes, it's,
0: it's beautiful mango colored. The, it's wonderful on the nose. Mm. It's, um, it's a little sweet, but it's quick on the finish. It's not too sweet. It's, it's like perfectly, it's, it's a perfect match between um, nice and refreshing with the... I don't think it's sweet at all. I think it's just fruity. I think you're right. Fruity is it's a better fruity. way of describing it. But I mean, yeah, I, I didn't mean sweet in a bad way. Your fruity is definitely a better way of describing it. I know. I think I'm going to change my drink today.
1: Because I was like, Georgia, at first I was like, I think I'm going to make a cocktail with your ginger beer because it's so delicious. And now I have this. I'm like, I think we're going to change it up. And this is delicious. This is a ready-made mango mimosa. It's awesome.
2: Thank you for that. They're all completely different. You know, with the hard lemonade, the ginger beer, and the mango. Now, the mango... You drink it as is. I like it over ice. Anybody wants to, you know, yeah. thin out that viscosity a little bit. Yep. Or you can add some extra champagne to make it an extra mimosa. You know, you add the, you know, it's more <laughs> mimosa than mango at that point. If you want to add some of your Prosecco sparkling wine or champagne. Gina, I'm going to use your word enhancement. It's a great word. to As an enhancement, I tried it with rum. White gold or coconut rum was a tropical paradise. If you like coconut.
1: Well, let's change up the drink a little bit. Is that okay, Uh, Georgia? I'm Mm -hmm. sure that you have more mixers on hand.
2: That's great. I'd love for you to work your magic.
1: So, let's get into another cocktail, Louise. What do you think? I think it's great. Let's do it. Yes? Okay. Let's do it. So, So, originally, I was thinking that we would do, you know, really talk about, like, adding the rum to the ginger beer and... You know, making um, a dark and stormy, especially since Turks and Caicos takes such a beating all the time in hurricanes and always comes back, which is amazing. Um, I think a really great idea would be to do something with this mango mimosa. And honestly, the moment I sipped it, I, I, I thought tequila, but I might have tequila on the brain just because, you know, I love tequila. But I was also thinking that Thrasher spiced rum would be really good with this because... They're, first of all, they're locals. So if you haven't had Thrasher's, it's really great. But um, The other thing is, is that it really um, has a nice flavor profile. And when you actually said coconut rum, I was thinking, I don't have any on my bar, but they they have a dry coconut rum as well as um, uh, if you're here in the D.C. area, as, as well as um, cotton and reed. And I love the dry coconut because everybody like it's kind of like a new thing. So it's not quite as sweetened and I'm staying true to what cocktails are now, it's kind of awesome. So let's just make this cocktail. We're gonna use um, Thrasher's um, Spiced Rum, and I really like it because it's a kind of a a blend of white rum with a little bit of gold rum, spices, um, and you know, let's be honest, it's made here in D.C., and anybody that's making things so local on the East Coast, which I love, will do it. (laughs) All right, so we're gonna use one and a half ounces of rum, and of course, If you're at home and, you know, just kind of of use your own thing. Like if you're into a really dark gold or, you know, you know, or try the coconut or you love Malibu, throw it in there. And we're going to fill this up with um, a little bit of crushed ice. So you added the rum and we're going to just literally fill our entire glass with crushed ice. And the reason why we're doing that is because we want a little bit of water dilution when making any cocktail, um, so, we're gonna put that in there and then we're going to get a fresh bottle of the mango mimosa because it's so good. It looks good in my case too. So, <laughs> I like it. Um, and we're gonna fill it up to the top and we're gonna finish it off. And, and, and I don't even know if it really needs it. This is gonna sound crazy. I'm just gonna do a little rim of Midori on there. What? I know. A little melon liqueur. I know. Crazy, right? But I'm telling you, something about that honeydew. You know I never doubt you. But so Dory. we're gonna do about a quarter ounce of Midori, a little floater on top. So right now I'm putting this in a um, in a copper mug. But if you're at home, this would look excellent in a clear glass or a tall glass. But we'll, um, you know, proofs in the pudding. What do I know? I just know how to make a good drink sometimes. Uh, sometimes. So. Time. So cheers. Cheers, Georgia. Thank you. Cheers. Oh. Spice rum, Georgia. Add it to the list. Spice rum, Midori, Mango Mimosa, winner.
0: Wow. Fantastic. It's it's funny is like when you said Midori, I'm like, Midori, this is actually this is really lovely. This is so good. Listen,
1: Midori, I, <laughs> I never doubt you. You just, you know, sometimes throw me. I know. It's crazy, right? Everyone, you know, thinking, oh, Midori, when does that start Somebody use that? Midori's making a comeback. And they've been making it with, you know, honeydew all, all this time. So it's not like it's some crazy made-up product. Um, I love that, actually. I think it's It delicious. tastes like a suntan in a glass. <laughs> <laughs> I'm into this. A kind of a cold suntan,
0: though. So where are they going to go to get this recipe, Gina?
1: You're gonna to go to designateddrinker.show. You know what else? You know what else would be nice? We froze this and put it in a blender. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. I like that too. All right, sorry. And if you, for that, sorry, for that recipe, maybe that hint, I'll put a recipe hint on this one. Uh, you're gonna to go to designateddrinker.show for all of the tips, tricks,
2: how-tos in Georgia. Where can we get this in the DMV? Thank you for asking. Every Harris teeter throughout the Southeast, in the beer aisle, in the refrigerated section. And if anyone has any trouble finding it, you can go to my website, Harriet'sLegacy.com. There's a phone number out there, and that is my cell number. And oh I would like to help anyone who needs help finding it if they're standing there in the beer aisle at Harris Teeter and are unable to locate it. But it is at every Hair Teeter throughout the southeast in the beer aisle in the cold shelf. Should we be texting you cocktail
1: photos every time we use your products?
2: <laughs> yeah. Love that. That brings me
1: joy greatest moment of my day. I like it. Instead of sending nudes, we'll send you that. I like it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So for our listeners, in case you missed that, her website's not to worry. Again, you can go to designateddrinker.show and we'll have all of those links to Georgia's products. And also you could simply look at the show notes, swipe up on your smartphone. We'll make sure all those links are in the show notes and you can get to, um, you can actually uh, be able to get to call Georgia, talk about life and your troubles, and uh, how, and, uh, and ask for a place to stay when you make it down to the islands.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> all right, Gina, it's all you. All right, last question, Georgia, and this is how we know if you listen to the show or not, so here we go. In this day and age, you might identify yourself with the assassin beetle, because you're like, I am lethal and beautiful, all in the same breath. But if you can identify yourself with one spirit ingredient, whether it's for cocktails or food, what would that ingredient be and how does it define you?
2: Well, I have 12 generations of Harriets who are whispering in my ear that salt is my spirit ingredient. <laughs> right? I love that. It is, and it is not just important, you know, to the Harriets and our way of life and the islands as our economic engine of the islands and a way as the way that we made a living, but it's important to all of us because salt is part of our life force. So what does salt do that's part of our life force? Well, we need to consume it for survival. Every animal needs it. That's why you have salt licks. That's why the buffalo made their trails up to an area of upper New York State that was named buffalo for that very reason. <laughs> um, it heals it preserves food that critical, you know, was critical as part of um, food preservation purposes. Basically, you're one day, a couple of days away from starving if you couldn't preserve your food, so food was preserved with salt. And then think of that with all of that as background of how important it was to survival. Now think of it today as its applications to food. So if you take the plainest ingredient and add salt to it, it makes that plain ingredient sing. Right. And so when you think about that, it also applies to the beverage world. So think of all the cocktail salts that are now coming out and think about a margarita, unsalted rim versus salted rim. Right. It, salt is all about elevating and drawing out the very best of any ingredient that you're working with.
0: Mm. Nice. Well, I love that answer. Well done. Well done. Well, on that note, I think come to an end, Gina. All right.
1: All right. We got
0: some drinks to finish. We do. Thanks for all these beautiful um, beverages you sent our way. We can't wait to meet you in person, Georgia. So next time you're in D.C., make sure you uh, look us up. Pony, up uh, the last we, call.
2: Yeah. We're into it. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you so much to you both for your talent today and um, and having me join you on your wonderful program. Thank you. You're, wonderful. you're always welcome back.
1: Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.
2: The Designated
0: Drinker Show is produced by Missing Link, a podcast media company that is dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcasts is Roger That, a podcast dedicated to guiding you through the haze of dementia, led by skilled caregivers, Bobby and Mike Carducci. Now, if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy the theater, check out Between Acts, an immersive audio theater podcast experience Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights, from dramas to comedies and everything in between. Find Missing Link's League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Please don't forget to subscribe, download, and review the shows. Your review helps our shows reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link, visit missinglink.company. That's missinglink.company.